the galaxy is full of film, and this is the Galaxy of Film Podcast. And what's going on, guys? I'm back in the host seat for some fucking reason. They gave me that job again. Um, after I spilled my iced tea everywhere, there's still stains on my desk. Um, there's other stains on my desk, too. You might be wondering what the hell that is. Come find out for yourself. Anyway, though, let us continue on. No. Uh, well, you know, what can you do? Brian, I feel bad for Brian, dude. He's just here. And he has no, to, I, to this. I'm double, doubling down this week with uh, Danilo's hosting both times. So I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but here I am. Comments that I that I make. But anyway, though, we're going to be talking about, um, I don't even know, Star Wars Rebels today. Um, we're having a grand old time. Uh, we brought back some fellow guests, but I'm also joined by Max. He okay. is just on hiatus because his throat decided to be not the goat. Dude, Max, oh, thanks how is it going? Dude. <laughs> what, dude? Come on, you said, come on, dude, come on, Matt. How, Max, how is it going, Maximilian? Yeah, I can't how be mad. You, I set myself up for that one. I can't be mad. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's a good joke. Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Just fighting off a bit of cold, so Danilo's hosting this one this week. But uh, I'm all right. Watched some movies past couple days. Um, you know, I finally sat around and uh, watched The King of Staten Island the other day. So I'm telling was... Kanye, dude. I'm telling Kanye that you sub- actively support Ski. Yeah, no, dude. I was like, fuck it. I gotta watch Jerry Leto twice next week. I might as well watch the other actor I fucking hate. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that one next week, though, when I'm not you know, about to die. <laughs> Yes, sir. Anyway, though, um, we're once again joined by Curtis. He always likes to come on for these Star Wars episodes and other episodes. It's always a blast to have him on. Curtis, how are you doing? How's how's Michigan treating you, man? Oh, you know, but you like roads? We don't. So it's a fucking pothole city, my dude. Other than that, not too bad. Not too bad. We're ready for this fucking weather to be better. Yeah, dude. I love how it was, what, 70 about a week ago? And now it's uh, uh, like 72 on like Friday. And yeah, it was like yeah. snow on Saturday. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Michigan. Michigan's mother nature isn't mother nature. I would describe her as the seven layers of hell of Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I agree with that. And once again, we're joined by Astro Droid from Drink the Movies. Brian, he has to deal with me twice this week as the host, unfortunately. Yeah. Brian, how are you doing this fine evening on Wednesday? I am doing great. Yeah, I got to uh, got to chat with you earlier this week. We talked about the uh, Oscars and yeah, back again to talk about Rebels, which will be a good time. So always happy to be on the show. And uh, I my weather here has been great. You know, North Carolina, Max and I are uh, our neighbors in the state. So, you know, when our weather is 70 degrees, it just continues to be 70 degrees. None of this up and down nonsense. So uh, I you guys should really yeah, I should really reevaluate what you're doing up there. The weather has kind of sucked here the past few days, Brian. I don't know about Charlotte, no, but don't, over here no. it sucks, dude. It, it, no, I as as someone as from Ohio, I know about weather being really terrible. So our terrible weather, way better than their terrible weather. I promise. Well, thanks for making me feel better. Mason, sorry that uh, it just sucks over there in Ohio. Mason can blow me, dude. I don't want to hear about the guy on the fucking podcast while I'm the host. Anyway, though, now as we have continued on for the last, uh, I don't know, was it three weeks we have done this? We get iTunes reviews, dude. Thanks for all the love and support from our fans and to be openly roasted. I mean, when I read your iTunes reviews, if your English is pretty bad. 
mine is bad as well because English was not my first language. Okay. Yep. All right, dude. Anyway, let's continue <laughs> on. Um, we got a new iTunes review from NatGore31. I don't know what that username means. I imagine it was just something. Okay. And the title of that is Makes My Morning Drives So Much Dot Dot Dot. Let's all just chime in with the word. I'm going to go with horny. He thinks, or she thinks, that makes my morning drive so much horny. Max, what do you think the end of the sentence was, man? I mean, that works. It fits. It, it makes sense, dude. That's, that's, I think okay. that's the, the key. That's the puzzle piece. That's it. Okay. Curtis, what word do you think goes after that? What? Oh, okay, you know, oh. I'm, I'm really digging that one. And Brian, the one who keeps us all in check here at Galaxy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. what, what, do you think? what do you think that word is? Uh, so I, I think, um, that dot, 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 uh, is, is something along the lines of makes me, uh, hungry for some little Caesars pizza. Probably. There we That's go. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Little Caesars. We are always plugging you. Please sponsor us. Anyway, though, the review continues on and it says love listening to Max and Danilo scream over movies every week. Exclamation point. Smiley face emoji. Space hyphen space enter at lit curls. What the hell is a lit curl? I have no idea, bud. It sounds like you took ecstasy before you wrote this, but we do appreciate the love and support for Galaxy of Film. What's next up on this wonderful thing? Max did uh, release some footage on our YouTube channel. Max, how about you go talk to us about that, man? I plugged it a bit in the LFG episode, but you're here today, so let's hear what, what that footage was really about. Yeah, so I released some test footage for a documentary I like to work on this summer um, about a friend of mine named Kenny. Uh, so check it out. It's only about a minute and a half long. It's very rough test footage just to kind of get him comfortable on camera and to see uh, what kind of reaction we get from this to see um, how much of an interest of an audience we have for this project. Because I think it says a lot of potential. You know, uh, Kenny's a very definitely an interesting person. Would love to do some, you know, a full fleshed out thing on him. So... Yeah, check it out at Galaxy Film Productions on YouTube. Yeah, one hundred percent. And put it, the comments are turned on for that, right? Uh, correct. The comments are. I'm getting messages for some reason, which is okay. always appreciated. You know, criticism regardless, but still. Yeah, message, comments, anything. Send it at Galaxy of Film or send it Max's way uh, on the Instagram or Twitter, wherever you guys know him from, or Facebook, um, because it always helps to get feedback, especially for documentary footage. I for sure know it does. Um, you can gauge what you want to shoot, what topics are the main focus, what aren't, what can be cut, everything like that. So be sure to give them the feedback because we do appreciate it over here mm-hmm. at Galaxy of Film. I have said that now maybe 10 times in this recording and it's getting kind of old. As Brian mentioned, um, I hosted a LFG episode on the Oscars of 2022, the 94th Academy Awards. As we all know, we had a slap that was heard around the world. However, mm-hmm. there was much more to those Oscars. And you can hear my thoughts, Brian's thoughts, and Jake's thoughts. We got the little band back together for that one. It was a good time. Uh, we started the recording pretty rough, and but we ended it pretty solid. I think we ended it with a little Caesar sponsorship, hopefully. Now on to some news this week. News is a bit bleak, but we have two big things to talk about. And okay. how fitting, uh, number one is kind of sad. Bruce Willis has is forced to retire from acting due to my english is bad i think it's s uh, a is that it how do you I, pronounce that i think so okay what that is i don't know look it up everyone has google um or you've heard of it before 
But it is sad. Um, I know Max is a big Bruce Willis guy. So, Max, what are your thoughts on that? How yeah, do you feel about dude. that? You know? Big, big Bruce Willis fan. Um, I know, obviously, our listeners can't see this, but for you guys, uh, right above me, actually, over there, I have the Butch Pop figure from Pulp Fiction. Um, massive Bruce Willis fan. Love Die Hard. Love the uh, the Unbreakable films, one on that whole train trilogy that M and I did. Um, this is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, you know, I hope you know. I don't know if there's any kind of recovery for something like this, or what kind of process, what steps he has to follow. But um, I wish his family all the best. Um, him of two, of course. I love a good portion of the work Bruce Willis has done. He's definitely gonna be missed. Um, but I'm glad he's still with us at the very least. Um, and that the situation could have been a lot worse than what it is. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty sad news. I will definitely miss his work 110. percent And Curtis, your thoughts on this on this tragic news that came out today? It's upsetting. I mean, I mean, I like Bruce Willis. I don't. I'm not a particularly a big fan of his, a lot of his later stuff. Um, my just myself, but no, Bruce Willis is in one of my favorite movies of all time. That's Die Hard. Um, so seeing him stepping away from acting, not of his own accord, uh, you know, is a little bit upsetting. But uh, you know, it's better than like the past couple years have had, where where we have actors we like suddenly are no longer with us, like Max said. So it's just good he's stepping away. He can finally retire. Hopefully, starting by family and friends and just have a nice retirement off that yeah i I hope so as well and brian um yourself die hard was probably a big thing back in back in the day with uh you so how how are you feeling about this news yeah for sure uh bruce willis is a you know big uh star uh you know through my life growing up and things like that so yeah it's definitely very sad news i can't imagine how difficult like making the decision to step away must have been for him and his family i mean especially when you're something like a a big like blockbuster movie starring actor that's like your entire you know uh, persona right that's what it's tied to so to uh, kind of be forced into retirement was probably tough but yeah hopefully um take some time off uh and do whatever he can to feel as good as he can and uh like max said i don't know you know what the road to recovery really looks like if that if there is uh such a path forward but yeah hopefully he's uh uh, does as uh, best as he can and, and enjoy some time with his family. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping for the best for Bruce Willis. I'm not the biggest fan of his. Um, I like the Die Hard movies. I really like the Unbreakable trilogy. Sixth Sense will always be, in my opinion, M Night's best movie and one of his best movies. Um, and I just feel bad about it. You know, I I know he took he took some heat. Um, as it came to the end of his career. He probably already knew this was happening to it, but he was doing those straight to DVD or VOD movies, you know, and he was kind of getting criticized for like, you know, come on, you're Bruce Willis. Why are you doing this? But, you know, now it comes out that this he's dealing with this. So, you know, criticism shouldn't shouldn't always be so aggressive. You know, I think we've learned that from Chadwick um, and obviously now with Bruce Willis as well. So I, we wish him all the best over here. At Galaxy of Film. Hopefully he does have a speed recovery if that can be a path for him. Next up. Um, a bit more positive news, uh, because we are talking about Star Wars, there is a big Star Wars game that is dropping next week, or in 10 days. I have no idea when. I should know, but I I am just, I I will combust when I have that in in hand. I will combust. If you don't know what combust means, look it up. I think it means bursting into flames. Um, 
doesn't mean the other thing. Okay. Brian. <laughs> it does, dude. It does. Look it up, dude. Look it up know, right now. Calm down, no, dude. No. Look it up, dude. Look it up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, though, Brian, have you played the Lego Star Wars games, and are you looking forward to this one? I have played the Lego Star Wars games, and I am definitely looking forward to this one. I have it pre-ordered. I got the special edition, so I get the little uh, Luke Skywalker minifig with his blue mark. Yeah. So. I'm excited to get that. April 5th is the day it comes out. So that is this coming Tuesday if you're listening to this episode of the week that it comes out. So uh, make sure you go pick that up because it looks incredible. It's been pushed back and back and back Mm. and back. And it finally got like the release date. And it looks like it's really happening because I've seen people playing it like all over Twitter and stuff like uh, review copies and things like that. Looks insane. I can't wait to get it. I can't wait to play it. Very excited me as well this was my favorite game going up i had episodes i think one through three i had and that was just dude the memories i have with that are like second to none Mm -hmm. core memories great fucking game loved it just love everything about it saw the gameplay little gameplay footage of this and it just looks absolutely spectacular curtis you're a big gamer how are you feeling about this game you excited for it you're a big star wars guy as well Oh, yeah, no, dude, super excited. I, the Lego Star Wars games ran my childhood when I was younger. Um, I still have somewhere in my old attic, my old uh, PS2 copies of the first one or the second one. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited for this new one. So I'll give it a pickup because Lego games really don't miss. Honestly, they're just really good. Yeah. Especially the Star Wars one. So, no, I'm super excited. 100%. Batman, dude, Lego Batman. I don't know if anyone's played that. That was gas. That one was fucking sick. You could be the good guys and the bad guys. Same story. Awesome. And Max just is having a coughing attack, so we'll give him a minute. Yeah, Max, man, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> how do you feel about the, how, about the Lego Lego game, man? I I know you're a big Star Wars guy. You probably played this growing up. You, you picking it up? Oh, 100%. I'm calling out of work next week for this, dude. Um, That's exactly right, buddy. That's exactly Lego Star right. Wars is, is the key thing to my childhood, and I don't take that lightly. Um, you know, I played the absolute hell. I couldn't. I lost count many times of 100% Lego Star Wars 1 you know, on PS2. Um, Lego Star Wars 2 was the first video game I got day one, actually. Okay. Um, I remember I was sick as hell. I was out of school for, like, a week straight. And, you know, like, as a little kid, like, you take a day or two off of school or whatever. But, I mean, I was fucked up, dude. I remember that was, I think, the only time in public school where I was gone for a full consecutive week because I was sick. And, uh, my dad, he went, he felt bad for me, day came out, picked it up and everything, made sure I had something to enjoy when I was, you know, recovering. I was like, uh, I think I was six years old when the second one came out. Yeah, um, yeah, it was around that time, yep. But I had a game guy, a game guy that came with it and everything too. I still have that, beat the hell at my parents' house, um, going through the Bounty Hunter missions on Lego Star Wars 2. Uh, the Complete Saga was my first Wii game as well, and those three combined, I mean, I poured an unhealthy amount of hours playing um, from, I would 100% it, wipe the memory card, just go right back and pour endless and endless amount of hours into them. Um, the third Lego Star Wars game came out when I was in fifth grade. I remember I cut school to go pick that up on Wii the day it came out as well. Um, the Force Awakens Lego game was a big deal for me when that came out too. Back that when was I had, fun, though. What'd you say? That was slept on. Not a lot of people were playing that, I felt like. I don't like it. That's the only one I did not beat. Okay. Um, and I have my own reasons for, for not enjoying the, the Force Awakens one so much. But, you know, um, that was back when I was doing, like, my old YouTube CB12 days and Warp Zone gaming stuff. 
I had a whole series dedicated to covering every bit of information for Lego Force Awakens shopping. I mean, whenever Harrison Ford collected a check to say Wookie Cookie, I made a fucking video on that, dude. So I'm pumped for this thing. I cannot wait, dude. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm absolutely gassed for it. Um Okay, now we're going to talk about Moon Knight, a new Disney Plus series with Oscar Isaac, who's Guatemalan just like me. But before we get into that, man, do we have someone special lined up for you for this wonderful topic of Star Wars Rebels. This girl has flown from Batu all the way to Jakku and back to Hoth and then around to the Outer Rims. This is the co-host with Brian from the Old Republic podcast, Cassia. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing excellent. Sorry, I'm running a little late. Uh, I'm on a. I was on Star Trek time, not Star Wars time, and uh, I'm doing pretty well. And I'm excited to talk Moon Knight and all things Star Wars Rebels. Awesome. We are happy to have you here over at Galaxy of Film. I believe you and Max are the only ones who have seen Moon Knight um, so far. So, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't get time to watch it. I had to take my car in for a great engine light check inspection. So, Max, take it. Take the Moon Knight discussion away. What was the light for? An AV evaporator or something? Evap? Did you get that fixed? No, they ordered parts, dude. My engine's going to be shot. I'm going 120 down the freeway for five miles, dude. Did you just slow down? Did you put your seatbelt on? Are you you safe? Yeah, dude. I'm always wearing a seatbelt, dude. I'm not an idiot. Just making sure, bro. I want you to to be safe out there, pal. Not with these roads. Yeah, man. Not with those roads up there. You got some Michigan U-turns. Michigan's fucked, dude. Okay. I I love my state. That's why I've wanted to move out of it since I was 10. (laughs) All right. Talk about Moon Knight, dude. Yeah, Cassia. Uh, so we had the premiere of Moon Knight. Uh, without getting too much into spoilers, which I know not a lot was spoiled in this, what are just some of your overall thoughts? Um, we're going to continue talking on about Moon Knight throughout the rest of the duration of this season, or even, maybe it's a limited series. I'm not sure how Disney's going to handle this just yet. Yeah. Um, we're going to keep talking episode by episode as we go on throughout. I think there's six episodes for Moon Knight, Danilo? Uh, yes. Six or eight. Or yeah. four. One of the two, we're doing the same thing we usually do for the MCU stuff. Um, so I'm really curious to hear your thoughts, Cassia. What are some of your spoiler-free thoughts on episode one of Moon Knight? There's a whole lot of moon, whole lot of night, you know? Um, but mm. I think that Oscar Isaac uh, acted the hell out of it. Uh, a very interesting accent that, that grew on me. Uh, Agree. <laughs> it's an intriguing pilot. Um, you go kind of all over... Europe and uh as like someone who loves history like and all that like I thought it was cool that he works at like a gift shop and knows a lot uh and also it's interesting that we're kind of getting uh a character who's really dealing with serious mental health issues Mm -hmm. uh, like disassociate is it disassociative identity disorder I don't know what he had. I'm not familiar with this character at all, honestly. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to see, like, uh, mental health tackled in, like, mm-hmm. not a pretty way that's not resolved in, like, a week, you know? Uh, and I think, like, that can, like, speak to a lot of experiences and stuff. So, um, 
yeah, it, it's intriguing. And uh, Ethan Hawke makes a really creepy cult leader. And uh, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season is. I have no expectations. I'm not familiar with this uh, hyped up character that I've been hearing about for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just excited here for the journey. Oscar Isaac really acted acted the hell out of it. I'm in the same boat as you, Cassia. Like I knew nothing about this character other than his design and that he's supposed to be pretty badass. Um, that and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Oscar Isaac's playing him in the fucking show. Um, I thought the premiere was great though, for the most part. I love love seeing Oscar Isaac act the hell out of uh, Steve, which is the secret identity of Moon Knight, I guess. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. His accent definitely takes meaning used to, um, which is even more off-putting hearing him do the regular voice he does. Um, very odd in my opinion, but it works well. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of this for sure. Um, seeing the mental health struggle thrown into this is a really refreshing mix in my opinion. Um, I thought the directing was interesting. Some cool creative shots thrown in there as well. However, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I don't know this area and I'm just tripping, but for whatever reason, um, and maybe you feel the same way, Cassia. Have you seen Black Widow by any chance? I finally saw Black Widow um, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, okay. I'm actually really glad that I've seen it uh, so I can be up to date on all the MCU things. Okay. Let me let me ask you this, because this is just maybe it's just me thing. I haven't looked on Twitter or anything yet. Um, you know, the whole sequence with uh, Steve, the, the Oscar Isaac's character, when he's in... Um, the second location is not in London. I, it's just some random part like of Europe. Austria. Yeah, Austria and or I something. I was like, are we getting sound of music? And then it's like, no, we, we did not. <laughs> did that look fake to dead. you? That whole CGI, like, like like the whole environment, everything looked very artificial to me. Um, yeah. It, it really took me out of it. it. It was very comparable, in my opinion, to the scene um, in Black Widow where Elena is getting ready to flip off the tank backwards yeah. towards in the movie. Yeah. So I was just curious if, if you felt the same way at all as towards that sequence specifically, because that's where I noticed it the most. Yeah, I mean, I want to kind of go easy on people who might have had to work on the CGI at home during, you know, the Coronas that that's we true. might okay. still be in, you know. But um, it's funny because I, I watched some uh, films like from the early 2000s and like some of the some of the CGI doesn't age as well, but like... Some shots of in Revenge of the Sith and like, you know, like the early Spider-Mans, I was like, wow, that's like kind of night and day. And like some movies like coming out in theaters, like, you know, December and like coming out last mm-hmm. year. And like there's some wonky CGI, but I understand like these movies are basically animated movies. There's so many effects and like so many different teams just trying to get it right. Probably not paid enough and probably overworked. But yeah, sometimes I do notice that. I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed it, at least, because it, it bugged me for a minute. I texted Danilo during a thing. Settle down, dude. Settle down. I like, like the premiere, though. Overall, I thought it was a good pilot. Dude, like you said, they were at home during COVID. But yes, yeah. um, I'm excited to go watch Moon Knight. I will probably do that tomorrow. I think everyone around here will probably do that tomorrow. We just couldn't find the time today. A nice little special segment that we do on the show weekly is the stream of the week. Max had something in. We're going to just ixnay that. I'm going to talk about my stream of the week. I watched that Hulu um, movie, Deep Water, with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. I mainly watched oh. it for Ana de Armas because I liked her in Knives Out and Blade Runner. 
Um, I have to say, I don't really know what the hell I watched. I didn't understand it until the last 30, 30 minutes of the movie. I wouldn't have known what it was about if I didn't read the synopsis before. Ben Affleck and Andre Amas are a married couple. They have an open relationship. And the people who Andre Amas is sleeping with, her new lovers, um, are just missing. They continually go missing. And Ben Affleck gets put under suspicion for one of them. Uh, shout out to the red flag kid, Nate, from Euphoria. He's in it. He um, is in it for a bit. You'll find out what happens to him. And then there's one more, and we see Ben Affleck uh, be accused of that again, killing um, these lovers. It, it is uh, it is just something. I am about as confused as Ben Affleck was confused on why he was still marrying this girl. Um, I liked Ana de Armas being the um, the antagonist. I think she has a good role with that, so I would watch it. But if you're really not, if you really have nothing else to do on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night that you want to watch, I would say watch this movie. Maybe get tipsy, maybe get high, watch the movie. You'll be entertained. <laughs> but don't go out of your way to watch this movie. By all means, do not go out of your way to watch this movie. And one thing, which is of interesting note, is they were dating at the time while this movie was being made. And I think they broke up after this movie was made. Um, I don't think they are a couple anymore. The they ben are Affleck- not. No. Yeah, J-Lo, J-Lo and Ben Affleck are, are back together. Yeah, so it's just, it makes this movie real, real interesting to watch. It really does. That does, um, dude. Then there's a nice little sing-song post-credit scene with their daughter at the end of this very R-rated movie. So, let us know what you think about that if you decide to watch it. I did last night. I really wish basketball is coming on, but that won't be till Saturday. Anyway, though, Max had a special screening before we get into our break of Army of Darkness. Max, how was that, man? If you yeah. can <laughs> Um, Evil Dead 3, finally had a chance to see it. I've, I've talked in the podcast a few times how that's one of the you know, finishing pieces to a trilogy or to a series I have yet to see. Um, enjoyed the hell out of it. Great screening. Very awkward um, theater experience, though, I gotta admit. I don't know what the hell is going on with my Alamo Draft House. This is like the third or fourth time like in a row, too, where I'll buy a, t- a ticket like at a seat by myself nobody else in that row will sit there on that entire row. But some dude decided to take it upon himself to sit next to me. And, you know, I made this comment last week whenever we saw, we were talking about X, Danilo, about I had a couple next to me talking about Kid Cudi's penis for the entire hour and 40 minutes of the movie. That's just inappropriate to talk about on the podcast, dude. Yeah, buddy, we had a whole thing about William Defoe's penis very early on. But anyways, um, this whole showing I saw... The guy sitting next to me took it upon himself to act with the movie. So That's for cool. an hour and 20 minutes, I had this random overweight gentleman sit next to me and was repeating lines from the movie. So great yeah, time. I great w- time. I wish I was there, dude. That sounds like a 5D experience. Don't know what 5D is. Made it up. But it is cool. Basically. Very, very Basically cool. was, man, yeah. Anyway, though, to continue on, we are going to cut into our break, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be back to talk about the show, which is Star Wars Rebels. Oh, hi, Mark.
The Galaxy of Film rating system is based off planets featured within the Star Wars films. From our highest rating to lowest, here is the order in which we rate these films. Number 5. Coruscant, the entire planet is one big city. Number 4. Bespin, it's pretty far, but I think we can make it. Mining colony? Yeah, Tabana gas mine. Number 3. Like you did by the lake on the roof. Number 2. Set your course for the Hawk system. And lastly, number one. Gotta get back to Jakku. Back to Jakku! Why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? And we are back. Hopefully you love listening to Max's ASMR of the rating system. I never listen to it. Um, I doubt you guys do too. Leave us an iTunes review if you do. I would really actually like to know who actually listens to that rating system. Thanks, um, Danilo, for crediting my hard work. Dude, it's hard work, man, but I'm just saying. We have consistent listeners. They probably don't listen to it because they already know the rating system. Nice save. I'm always quick on my feet. Anyway, though, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Rebels. We're going to go season by season, starting with off with season one. We're introduced to the gang and the crew, the ghost crew, to be exact. Brian, how did you feel about going to Star Wars Rebels? Did you catch up on it uh, when it initially premiered? I know some people came back to Star Wars Rebels once they saw more reveals in the future were you a day one fan how, how was season one for you what did that look like yeah so if you if you go back to the earlier episode of galaxy of film when we were when i was uh, fortunate enough to guest and talk about the clone wars uh, you might remember that i'd said that i didn't watch the clone wars uh, until way later like right before uh, season seven came out uh so i did that i watched clone wars and then i watched rebels so i did not uh, watch it when it was first out. I watched it much later after it was already uh, going off the air. So quite a bit of time had elapsed from uh, the time that it was on before I, I actually got to see it. Um, and my kind of initial thoughts with the first season, it is very similar, I guess, to Clone Wars because you're like, oh, man, this is it, it. it's fine, but it's, you know, it's for kids. It's not for me, really. Um, but I think that it picks up pace a lot quicker than Clone Wars did um, in that sense. So, yeah, I started to kind of groove more with the characters uh, a little bit quicker in Rebels. I think maybe, um, you know, just the experience of, you know, getting the stories uh, set up and going in Clone Wars kind of paid dividends here into Rebels. So, uh, yeah, came in came into it late. Uh, the first couple episodes, I was like, eh, I don't know. But, yeah, it grew on me pretty quick. Okay, that is almost how my experience kind of went. Cassia, how did you um, go about Star Wars Rebels? Did you just pick up with it when it initially premiered? What were your some initial thoughts? Did you like the first season? How was that for you? <laughs> so, um, I started to get into Clone Wars around season three and like season five. I was like, oh, this is so good. And then it's like, uh, it's canceled, yo. Here's some Netflix season six, and it's like, they're like, Star Wars Rebels is coming out. And I was like, oh. Just kind of a bit jaded because, like, Clone Wars was, like, canceled prematurely. And, um, it just, it seemed a little bit more for kids and a different, uh, animation style that I didn't quite love. And I was like, okay, it's not for me. My cousin likes it, but. Uh, I'm not really into it, but then I was like kind of house-sitting for my cousins, you know, and I was I was there and I saw him watching it. He was kind of explaining like the last episode of season one and I was like, is that 
redacted for spoilers and he's like yeah i was like okay so who are the all these people and he's like that's the main character Kanan and Hera are kind of like the mom and dad of the group and I'm like ooh are they in love like because I love love and they kind of told me about it and it kind of won me over and then I kept on hearing more about it and then like everyone's like redacted for spoilers came and also redacted for spoilers came and I was like oh did redacted for spoilers like redacted for spoilers and uh yeah and kind of on and on until the finale and I think coming back around to it, you just, I've I've just seen like kind of running the podcast, like seeing how many people like love Rebels and like think it's like kind of like prime Star Wars content, you know, like has warmed me up to it. I haven't watched all of it, but I think it's I think it's beautiful. Okay, that's that's cool that your uh, your nephew you said got got you into it, and then you continued to go on that journey. That's really cool. Um. Uh, Curtis, your uh, experience with Star Wars Rebels, how how was that? How was how, did you were you a day one fan? Did you catch up on it? Um, you know, after it premiered, how how did that look? And what what do you think of season one ultimately as well? Sure. So I actually didn't start Rebels until I think the end of season two. Um, when I heard spoiler, spoiler, spoiler for season two, I'm like, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, it's let's do Star Wars. It's uh, I'll give it a watch. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, I think, more, I think definitely more first season. It's definitely geared more like a younger audience. Uh, some of the animation decisions definitely got a lot of getting used to. Um, I think season one as a whole, I think it's fine. I think it's a solid, you know, introduction to like Star Wars, for like at least for like younger kids. And if you're coming from like Clone Wars, like a lot of us were, you're like, all right, you know what? It's not Clone Wars. I'll give it a shot. First season, not too bad. Yes, I I did appreciate um, the animation style as well. It took some time to warm up to. Um, for me, with Star Wars Rebels, I didn't get to it until about season three when we found out Thrawn was coming into it. I didn't know much about him. He just intrigued me as a character. And so I went back and watched it um, during high school. We had tablets for high school. Kiss Cartoon. Yes, I pirated it. I'm so sorry. Um, Disney Plus wasn't around back then. Um, I don't know if I really should be admitting that on air, but who really knows? I've said the other stuff on here that's way worse. But, however, um, I you know, it, it was a kid show, and it felt like a kid show, season one. But it did, like as Brian said, ramp up quite fast from this quote-unquote kid show. Um, I didn't The animation side I didn't hate. It did take a bit uh, warming up to, just because it seemed like it was on a lower budget than Clone Wars, um, which was fine with me, as long as like the content was still there. I was cool with it. But it, I, I did enjoy season one. I, I when it when all was said and done, when I look back at season one, I'm like, you know, that was a good Kickstarter to where this journey then ends up at the very end. Um, so I really, I really uh, fell in love with Rebels. And going off of Cassie real quick, I always like those love stories in Star Wars. I, I find them very, very just appealing. So I was, I we automatically saw the interest between Kanan and Hera. They seemed like they were just aunts and uncles looking after their uh, nieces and nephews, Zeb and everyone else like that. So I appreciated that. Before we go into season two, um, we're going to ask everyone what their favorite episode was from season one. If we can remember that. If we can't, that's okay. I'm going to go with myself because it looked like everyone looked online for the episodes of what season one was. I myself included, if I remember correctly, (laughs) they had... 
the Imperial Parade. Um, I think that day or something. Oh, Empire Day. Empire Day. Empire Day. Yeah. That that was my favorite because up until that point, we never saw Solo. I don't think came out yet. So up until that point, we never saw what the Empire really looked like. We read it in books. Reading's great. Wish I could do it. I don't. So I love to see it in comics and in uh, media. So Empire Day was my favorite. We saw just the propaganda that this, you know, Vader and Palpatine were putting out to civilians. And I thought that was very, very cool. As I said, with the Clone Wars and the prequels, politics has always been my favorite, favorite part of Star Wars. I really, truly do enjoy it. Cassia, what is your favorite episode of uh, season one? Of Star Wars, uh, yeah. So it's actually the first uh, episode I saw of season of Rebels ever. Actually, um, I kind of thought uh, it was really cool because, like, literally, Ahsoka showed up and I was like, "Hey, that's Ahsoka!" And like, this is a new show, so it's like, I think it's the final episode of season one. So I saw the them meet Fulcrum for the first time. That was my first Rebels experience that that's cool because fulcrum as we know ahsoka from clone wars it's always cool to see old characters like that especially when it makes sense in the story (laughs) curtis how about yourself what is your favorite um episode from rebel season one yeah so actually i actually also really enjoy empire day i think it's actually a really slept on episode i'm actually a big fan of rise of the old master which i believe is the first episode of the grand inquisitor that comes out Mm -hmm. it's cool seeing like Sith that aren't like some of the main ones we know. They're like a lot lesser and they're kind of like stooges, but they're still Sith. So they're kind of like, you know, still like a big deal. Grand Inquisitor's design looked good. I think he's one of the few characters that actually benefited a lot from this um, animation studio uh, design wise. Um, looked great. Sounded great. I believe Jason Isaacs is the one who voiced him. Um, mm-hmm. Super intimidating. I really enjoyed him. Uh, no, just a really. Good action-packed episode. You know, not much of a story there, but, you know, being a great question for the first time is really good. So, uh, yeah, first season, that's kind of, I think, my favorite. That Yeah, and it, it, the Grand Inquisitor was pretty cool because this was the first time we know that there's other people that weren't Vader who held that lightsaber. I think if you read the comic books, I don't even think that was out yet, the Charles Souls one. Um, someone will obviously correct you on Twitter or something because Star Wars fans love to correct other Star Wars fans. Brian, mm-hmm. how about yourself? What is your favorite episode of season one? Yeah, so I mean the the Empire Day one is is really good. That's kind of one of the ones that's up there. But um, I had to look up the the name of it, and I actually started getting into it a little bit earlier than that. So I um, I kind of like it's. I think it's episode three. Um, it's called Fight or Flight when Ezra and Zeb are going into that town they're on. I think it's Lothal to do like a supply run kind of thing and you start to see kind of uh kind of like this like family dynamic and friendship and um you learn a little bit more about Ezra's backstory cuz they meet that uh that old guy that was friends with his parents so you get you get to find out that his parents are are missing so then that becomes some sort of uh kind of like side arc that Ezra's going going through and it you know sheds some light onto why his character is the way that he is. And I think they steal a TIE fighter in that, which is pretty fun. So, Yes, always stealing stuff is very fun, especially from the Empire in Star Wars. Moving on to Season 2, 
we ended, as Cassia said, with Ahsoka returning. And also, I believe Palpatine had a little appearance with Vader. So that is very, very cool. But that really set up Season 2 for some wild and fun adventures if Ahsoka was to continue to be this main presence as she was in Season 1, continuing the Season 2. Curtis, what are your opinions on Star Wars Rebels Season 2? How are you liking it? Season two, I think, starting with this, like it's two part pilot episode, I think is on a lot stronger start than I think as season one did. Wrapping that up and then going into where we are now, I think season two has a better, I would say, pacing for a lot of stuff. Um, a lot more of their episodes are now starting to become more, boy, having Clone Wars, they're starting to be more like, here's a story episode, continuation story episode, end of that, and then small side thing, and then story, 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 which I like personally. Um, we see a little bit more uh, like side characters coming back. Like we get um, Rex returning. A lot of the clones we get. We um, I think Hondo comes back in this season, if I'm mistaken. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's coming cool, cool coming out. But um, I mean, we'll get to it. But that finale is phenomenal. Um, it really did a lot better with like a lot of more like emotional stuff, especially with like Kanan and Ezra and all their story. I think season two was definitely a step up from season one. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Yes, I I do too. I I do think it started to, as Brian was saying from before. It it ramped up pretty fast with its pacing and its storytelling. Um, Max, what did you think of Star Wars Rebels season two? Uh, season Overall. two put me onto the show. I was not you know very. I wasn't too fond of season one. Um, I think I watched the premiere on a rerun and just like jumped off the show immediately at that point. Um, of course, I heard about Ahsoka coming back. Um. I mean, you know, Clone Wars being canceled is a pretty big, like, devastating thing, I think, for us three our age, you know. That was, like, for a while, our Friday night cartoon, and then our Saturday morning cartoon as well, when it had that block change on Cartoon Network. Um, so, Soka coming back was, like, headlines all over my feed in Season 1. Um, so, I began with Season 2, and then rewatched Season 1 after the fact. I Actually, after I finished the whole series, I think I watched Season 1 finally. Um, season 2 is good. It has some pacing issues for sure, um, but yeah, like Brian said again, it does rev up much quicker than Clone Wars. That's something I'll applaud Rebels for all day long. Um, favorite episode in season two, though, aside from the finale, which we'll you know get more and more into. I love the Jedi Temple episode where we get the Yoda cameo, especially mm-hmm. voicing by voiced by Frank Oz it again too, because I was expecting Tom Kane involved, you know, um, and I love Tom Kane's Yoda. Don't get me wrong, but there's something extra special seeing Frank Oz voice Yoda animated instead of just for a movie or something. Um, but season two, I, I thoroughly enjoyed for the most part. Um, I wasn't watching this one live though that I wasn't doing until season three and four, but yeah, overall I had some pretty positive thoughts going into season two. Yeah. I think, uh, well, obviously talk about the finale, um, moving forward down the line. Cassia, what did you think of season two? How were you liking it? What were your thoughts? I think uh, kind of having the cast together and the characters established, kind of uh, you're able to explore the characters more. And surprise, surprise, my my favorite episode was Twilight of the Apprentice because it had Ahsoka in it. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so having- Having a Silken is always always a win for for the Clone Wars lovers and for just Star Wars lovers in general. Mm-hmm. And Brian, 
how about yourself? What was your favorite uh, moment in Star Wars in season two, as well as overall thoughts of season two? Oh man, there there are a lot of really good um, moments. Uh, obvious, obviously, you know the the obvious one is the Twilight of the Apprentice, which Cassie has just mentioned. Everyone else had kind of uh, brought up a little bit um, that uh, Jedi Temple episode that Max brought up. The Shroud of Darkness, that, that one's awesome. Uh, you have the Homecoming episode where Hera's going back to uh, Ryloth and you know meeting with her parents. You're getting a bunch of that backstory. Uh, you have Princess Leia uh, is in an episode, which is amazing. Um, but I think probably my favorite kind of episode or arc is probably the um, the Lost Commanders arc where you're meeting back up with uh, Captain Rex and uh, that crew there, uh, which was really good watching it um, just as I watched it. But now having seen Bad Batch and you saw uh, kind of the way that the, that happened with uh, little Kanan, um, I think that makes those episodes even more impactful as to how much uh, distrust and things he had uh, there in that, and you know, he had to kind of set that aside. So, um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick one other than the uh, the Twilight uh, the Apprentice, uh, it's probably uh, that one there uh, with the the Captain Rex. There's yeah. a good Lego set from that too, a really good Lego set. Yeah, and there were a lot of big, as Brian was mentioning, big people who came back for this. We had Vader in the first two, we had Rex, then we had Hondo, then we had Cham, then we had. The Mandalore uh, little thing with uh, Fen, Fen Rao or whatever his name was. Then we get mm-hmm. Ahsoka at the end. And then we even get Maul at the end. And Yoda. And so, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan. We were just absolutely treated as Star Wars fans with season two. And season Lando's two. in season one, too. And uh, 3PO and R2. Yeah, season mm-hmm. two is special. I do like that. Um, obviously, Twilight um, Apprentice. Oh, what's up? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say it like right in the middle of everything. Like... Obi-Wan was in season two? I thought that was later. No, I mean, just as a show in general. I was just naming okay. her. My bad. Sorry, you can throw a phone mm-hmm. at me. I'm uh, sorry. I interrupted. Very good. Bye. No, no. All good. All good. It's <laughs> okay. okay. We'll, we, we, it's okay. Um, we keep going on. And season two, I really do enjoy. Obviously, we all love that season finale. There's a slept on episode for this. And it always will be slept on because it takes its overshadowed. But it's when Zeb... And uh, the guy who's hunting him down consistently, I totally forget his name. Callus. Yeah, Callus. Mm-hmm. Have to team up together. That episode, I think, is completely slept on. It is one of my favorites. I love seeing Ahsoka. I think everyone does. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I think Zeb and Callus, that episode was just like, now that's an interesting idea. We've never seen it in Star Wars. We've seen it in other medias and things like that. But that was very, very cool to see. Two completely different people who hate each other are fighting completely different wars have to team up to try and save each other. And they do it peacefully. They, they kind of just shake hands and be like, you know, we're good. Uh, but, uh, you know, after we leave, we're going to go back to try and kill each other. I really, really do enjoy that episode. But now for season two, we have the big, big reveal of Vader versus Ahsoka. I don't know if anyone was expecting it. I knew it was coming because I came back and we watched the show. But for the people who were following it with it live, maybe it was just a big shock. Um, Cassia, what did you think of the Twilight of Apprentice two episodes? What, what just emotions that ran through you? Just what are your thoughts on the, on just those la- that season finale? Oh, it just. I mean, you have you have a uh, Kanan going blind, uh, kind of fighting Maul, and then just like 
Uh, just the the realization like Ahsoka is face to face with Anakin again, or Vader really, because Anakin is dead and she's there for him then, but like just Vader is completely uh, taken over, you know, by the dark side. And uh, she just says, uh, then I'll avenge him. And Vader's like, that's not the Jedi way. And then she says, I am no Jedi. And like, it's just like, it's so sad and yet so epic, so grand, so operatic, so Star Wars, you know, uh, just, it was everything I could have ever wanted. And it was just interesting. Uh, like the dialogue is like, Ooh, did Ahsoka live? Did Ahsoka die? And part of me, part of me, would have been okay if she would have died, you know? But thankfully she didn't, and we get uh, more of her in Mando and Book of Boba Fett for some reason, and yeah. Yes, I, th I think that was the big question coming out of the finale, is is Ahsoka alive or not? I remember it was even played about um, at Star Wars Celebration Orlando. And speaking of Orlando, Max went to Star Wars Celebration Orlando. I was there Max for that picture, actually. Yes, so Max, what mm -hmm. did you think of the big finale for Rebels Season 2? Oh, dude, emotional as hell. Um, not just because of the Ahsoka stuff, but Darth Maul coming back and him being my favorite antagonist in Star Wars. Um, the Darth Maul thing had me more pumped than seeing Ahsoka fight Vader, I'm not gonna lie. Alright, dude, um, next person. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, honestly, dude, I was pumped for it. I love Darth Maul. So, good episode. I mean, everyone's gonna talk about the Ahsoka stuff, dude. I love seeing Maul in this, for sure. Um... And we'll talk more about this in season three, I'm sure. But like the be the planting the seeds of the kind of arc that fell apart in season three of Ezra becoming Mole's apprentice was excellent. I was pumped for that based off this episode. Okay, okay, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about that next season because I was as well. Brian, what 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 are your mm -hmm. big you know what's your big takeaway from this <clears throat> season finale? Like this was emotional. You obviously just finished the Clone Wars, you said. So how yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's weird because I had just finished the Clone Wars, but I hadn't really gotten back into like internet Star Wars that much by the time I got back to to watching Rebels and Rebels is really kind of slept on in terms of Star Wars animation. You know, everyone will talk about Clone Wars all day long, but Rebels is is just now kind of uh, getting its recognition, I think. So I really didn't know that much about the storylines so when it happened i was i was very surprised it was you know just like i was watching it you know week to week but yeah i mean it's it's super emotional and uh yeah it's it's epic and sad you know it's all the things that cassie just said but but kind of like max i was also very excited to see maul back um i you kind of start wondering how many times this guy's gonna spring up but i think that his his characterization in here and you're really getting a sense of how broken he is um even in those first couple um you know interactions that you have with him there at the tail end of season two is uh is pretty great but but yeah uh as far as your season finale I, I, how do you top that if if you're into star wars it doesn't get any better than that really i don't i don't really know if it does um, looking at their new projects coming out, but that's for another time. Curtis, what did you think of the big finale? Did you like the spinning lightsaber helicopters? Did you like seeing them all? Did you like seeing Vader and Ahsoka? How was it? So, first off, fuck the lightsaber helicopter things. It's the oh, only okay. problem I have with that episode. Okay. Is, the problem I have is not the design. I think the design's cool. 
is that they're being hoisted, going up hundreds of feet, and it's just hilarious, and it's so stupid. But other than that, seeing Maul come back is great. Him kind of, like, giving Ezra, like, a different point of view of, like, you know, how the Force works as, as he's only hearing it from, like, you know, Kanan. I think it's very interesting, that good dynamic they have, you know, going into Season 3. I think it's very interesting. But, you know, obviously the big stuff is with, uh, you know, like Ahsoka Invader. Um, yeah, no, it's super emotional, especially having rewatching it after Season 7 as came out. Uh, it's still pretty emotional. I think the music does a very good job. I appreciate the little dialogue they actually have. And they just do, like, the story. They show the visuals, do the story with them. I really appreciate. Um, another good thing, um, when Ezra goes to activate the uh, temple... Um, we hear the voice actress who did Asajj, Ventress, come back in the show, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, like, possibly, like, theory of, like, oh, maybe, like, they're all Sith, and this is the one we know, doing all this power stuff, I thought was interesting. But, no, the one that stuck out to me was, it's when Ahsoka gets a strike on Vader, and he has a helmet cut off, and it's a blending of James Earl Jones and Matt Lanter. And you're like, Fuck. Because you have James Earl Jones, well, how we know original, and we have Anakin, Matt Lanter, and you're like, oh, fuck. And this combination of, like, arguably the best portrayed versions of each character. Because Anakin and Vader are essentially two different characters, and having them mesh into a single voice line, I thought was fantastic. And that's the, that's the line that always gets me emotional. Because you want to... Yeah, it's so good. Because you see, you see, like, in the animation, because there's nothing done in animation on, not on accident. He's like going through, like he's going through like his emotions of like fighting Ahsoka, but then he lets like Vader take over. He knocks his his lightsaber to go attack her, and it's just so good. That's probably my favorite part of this finale. This finale is fantastic. Yeah, this finale. Hold on, real quick, Daniel Curtis. You brought up the the mashing of the voice lines. Yes. Have you ever heard the audio where it's them individually as well? I have not. The alternate takes. It's pretty cool. Hearing okay. them, the, the just different, like, almost like remix in a sense. Interesting. Okay. Of it. Yeah. Okay. How did you get it to listen? The ending of season two was something truly, truly special for all Clone Wars fans, for all Vader fans, for everyone who just knows that story. Um, I think there's a lot of great locations on that. We see this like battle that took place between Sith and Jedi, something we had alluded to in other uh, Star Wars movies, but we've never seen. So seeing a bit of that was very, very cool. The Ahsoka and Anakin battle is very tragic. Um, and I'm actually in agreement with Cassie here. If Ahsoka were to die at the end of this, I don't think I would have been that upset. I think that would have been not the, I think that would have been a good way for her to go out. Like Anakin trained her, raised her, and now he he defeated her because he's just Darth Vader at this point. He is an Anakin. Um, I do, and I am here for the lightsaber helicopters. Put those in live action. Disney, I will never criticize you ever again. To continue on, though, we get to Rebels Season 3. This is where we have Ezra being teased of turning to the dark side. Boy, oh boy. Now this show might not be a kid's show anymore, but kind of still is. Uh, Max, you said this one intrigued you the most. What did you think of um, the thing? The season, season three? three? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was at the panel in Orlando, so I got to see this premiere like six months early, which was wow. pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was stupid how early they showed the first episode of where 
we saw the trailer at first, which was the premiere as well, which is pretty cool. And then Filoni's like, well, I'm here to show you the first episode. And it ends with the whole, um, with the scene from the trailer where we see Mandalore with all the Mandalorian helmets on the ground the Empire. Like, he, they had just finished bombing it. Um, so it was a cool experience seeing that story. And season three is very interesting, in my opinion. Um, it introduces Thrawn, of course. That's the big takeaway, I feel like. Um, an even more interesting character, I'd argue, is the Bendu that's introduced, who's also voiced by Tom Baker from Doctor Who, which is pretty awesome. Um, that whole arc is very interesting. Um, you know, we get some dark saber stuff thrown in here and there of Sabine, how she, you know, she meets up with Bo-Katan at some point in the season as well. Um, some good stuff of Kanan because he's dealing with now being blinded from the aftermath of the finale from season two because Darth Maul blinds him. We get a good episode of Obi-Wan in here thrown around too. And um, it's some interesting character development, I feel like, for everybody. But the one... The one character that could have had character development on the screen, um, you know, he, he was he was lacking in the season. Ezra Bridger. Season two, I was not fond of him because of his, his throwaway, throwaway lines during serious moments, specifically during the Vader and Ahsoka fight. The, uh, I forget what he says exactly. The, I need a little more training or something like that. Really pissed me off watching that fight live. Um, I didn't like a lot of his writing, period. But season three for me is where he's absolutely wasted. Um, the Darth Maul storyline of him, you know, being alluding to Ezra returning to the dark side and becoming Darth Maul's apprentice is thrown away after like four or five episodes, I think. Two episodes, Curtis. Yeah, um, biggest fucking waste in my opinion. Uh, everything else in this season's good except Ezra. The only character development he has is shown between the seasons, and that's a chain or a shame because. I liked seeing where this Ezra should have gone, or could have gone. Like, when that first, like... I believe the introduction scene for Ezra in Season 3, where he has the green saber, and he does, like, this weird flip in a hallway, getting ready to save the Ugnaught. That's cool. Ezra looked badass in that, like, the yellow... Or not the yellow, the orange and yellow, like, shirt thing. I don't know where it is, because everyone in Rebels looks smooth. But I liked his design compared to this, the jumpsuit. I liked season three of Ezra so much more, but still, I I can't help also to hate him more because he is so wasted. But those those are some of my overall thoughts on season three. Okay, okay, I I, I get where the criticism comes from, Cassia. What do you think of season three of Star Wars Rebels? Uh, it was interesting to see, um, just like the characters evolve and Ezra kind of deal with the, be tempted by the dark side. Uh, I think like the creators of the show just kind of really know what Star Wars is and kind of just created like, uh, I guess a love story to kind of Star Wars as a whole, but especially like what I think the original trilogy meant to uh, everyone, you know? Uh, I have to say, like, I love all the, I think, like, most of these episodes, they're all, like, bangers and stuff, but, uh, for me, I really liked Twin Sons, uh, and at first I really didn't like it, because when you saw, like, the previews for it, like, it was really hyped up, like, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi are gonna have a rematch of the century, and then, like, uh, it was kind of like, ooh, we're going to see some prequel-esque, like, lightsaber shiz go down. And then, um, 
that didn't happen. It was, uh, you really see that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, General Kenobi, isn't there anymore. He's been now. He's changed. He's evolved. He's a nuanced Jedi. And um, he he's kind of trying to teach Ezra something. And Ezra kind of senses, like, he has a grand purpose. Like, it's... It's not meant for him. Obi-Wan isn't meant to come back, you know, and uh, fight the Civil War. He has an important duty. And uh, just kind of uh, how Sam Witwer kind of explained, like, the fight, like, that uh, Obi-Wan and Maul have is, like, Maul's stuck in the past. He's kind of, like, thinking about high school, you know, and, like, Obi-Wan is way past that, but he's kind of like, Darth Maul is kind of expecting me to react like I did like in high school. So you kind of see him like do that pose, but then, so he's like, uh, he does the Obi-Wan General Kenobi pose, and he also does Qui-Gon, and then he, he also plans that Darth Maul is kind of using the same move that he used on Qui-Gon, but uh, Obi-Wan, now Ben, you know, knows what to do and he just ends it he doesn't end it like with a lot of fury and malice but like he just ends it and then he cradles you know uh darth maul as he dies and comforts him i am sort of mad that like this episode kind of made it seem like luke was the chosen one but like uh i think it's just where uh Obi-Wan is at, you know, in his life right yeah, then, because yeah. he thinks like Anakin is like totally fallen. Jedi kind of like when someone turns to the dark side, they they they're they're kind of dead to them, you know, like dead in the force. And like he's like, OK, so like the only possible solution is like Luke is the way forward. But uh, just to kind of see like Maul caused uh Maybe as much pain as Anakin did, you know, to Obi-Wan's life, but, like, for him to be able to cradle someone is in his arms and, like, give him comfort as he dies, like, uh, there's some something maybe even better than religion in that, I think. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. That is why I love talking about Star Wars. It Everyone always has a different opinion on things, shines a new light on something. And I do like now how Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi cradles Darth Maul. I never thought about it is him cradling the dark side of Anakin, which he was never able to do. I think that he's a very, very interesting take. And I, I do, I do very, I'm, I'm very fond of that. So I'm going to have that be my new headcanon now. Thank you, Cassia. That is, I agree. That yeah, that, 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 that just made my entire <laughs> night. Dude. Like, I, I'm so happy now. All right. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I also want to point out that her comparing Darth or saying Darth Maul basically peaked in high school is golden for me. I I'm definitely gonna use that for now on. That that is hilarious. <laughs> Especially with him screaming in the desert now, dude. That clip's all I'm gonna think of. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of good takes. Um Brian, how do you feel about season three of Rebels? Yeah, so season three of Rebels is is really good. Obviously, you know, it kinda you know, kind of, kind of that pinnacle moment of twin sons that uh, Cassia just spoke about, and yeah, that that fight is 
<laughs> you you're kind of are expecting more and then when it's when it's short and abrupt the way that it is and it it makes a lot of sense because yeah uh, you know Cassia talked about it there but Darth Maul is this tragic figure so to to see that play out the way that it did was really special um I kind of agree uh with what you were saying about um Ezra losing a little bit of like his character focus through this season uh, but on the flip side of that, you have Kanan really gaining his character focus through the season, um, especially, you know, it starts out with the Bendu and it really gives him kind of a sense of purpose because, you know, he lived as a long time as a Jedi without having any sort of uh, guidance or, or mentorship or anything. So he was just, you know, kind of out there on his own doing it. And I think that that really enabled him to take kind of the step into the next level of what it meant to be to to really be a mentor to Ezra and, you know, kind of a mentor to the rest of the ghost crew. And I, I really liked the stuff with Kanan, um, in this, you know, third season. And then, and then obviously that kind of, uh, you know, gets wrapped up then into the, the Mandalore stuff with, um, uh, with, uh, Sabine and the dark saber, and he's able to kind of take her under his wing. Um, and that's when I kind of the interesting, things about this is you have this kind of family and it always seems like one of them is kind of you know left out in the cold at, at certain points um but they're able to kind of keep bringing them back in and keep the keep the family together no matter kind of the stress on the dynamic and i think that that's uh really interesting but yeah kanan's kind of character growth for me over the third season is really what i thought was probably the kind of the most impactful part and then obviously that sets us up for uh, how this thing wraps up in the fourth season. Yeah, yes, it for sure does. And the Darksaber comes back in this. I think that was very cool. We get, and you, Kanan is a big, big focus in this. He just became blind, coming out of season two. You know, what the hell is going to happen to him next? We see his character really take the forefront. Season three is where I started to go back and watch Rebels so I can catch up. And I caught up right, like, it, I just missed, like, I think the season finale by, like, a week or two. Um, because it took me a, a, a bit longer to catch up. Um, obviously catch up three seasons, but it was because of Thrawn. Thrawn just the look intrigued me as a as Star Wars guy and a, as an Imperial officer who's white. The last one we saw was I think Krennic at the time. Like you're like wow, this is he's gonna be a badass because Krennic's an absolute badass. Like Krennic takes no shit from anyone. He's he's a narcissistic guy who is power hungry. So what's Thrawn gonna be like? The book just came out about Thrawn. He's a very complex bad guy, and I think that is what made he's not he's not he's not stupid he's not stupid. I think that's what makes him so much more compelling. They wrote in an antagonist who's not stupid, who's not making dumb mistakes, who is a strategist who calculates every move only to destroy the rebels who are you know quote unquote the bad guys in this Star Wars world. Um, I I just loved it. I I loved any everything about season three. Um, I just. Thrawn is what blew this entire season open for me and made me want to watch it, made me want to catch up to it. Twin Sons was a uh, standout episode. I am with Cassia once again on this. I It took me a while to warm up to that Twin Sons episode. I, I don't know if I, I didn't understand it the first time I saw it or something like that, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, wow, that's a cool way to end Darth Maul's arc with Obi-Wan. That was a great battle. I was kind of like, well, that was real fucking stupid. Um, give me some more, uh, laser swords action and explosions. Um, but over time it did grow on me and then we get that great season finale, uh, with them, with the Bendu and everything where yeah. the Bendu 
predict Thrawn's death. And I think that was something very, very horrifying because Thrawn didn't care. You just shot him point blank in the face. Um, and you're like, wow, kid show once again? Who knows? Curtis, though, what are your opinions on season three? And wow. everything about that. Oh, sounds like a lot of it's been kept on. But uh, yeah, no, a um, couple quick things. Um, I think Kanan, outside of like Thrawn and you know the Kenobi stuff, I think is the probably the main focus of this season. Definitely, um, him trying to like, come to terms with not only him losing his sight, but him kind of trying to be more of a better person, just so he can help train uh, Ezra better, who's starting to kind of like lose his way a little bit. Um, which I thought his story was great. Ezra definitely was more on the weaker side this season. I was super captivated by like, the idea of like maybe Ezra starts with like more like dark side stuff and like maybe that's like a season like maybe like a mid season or like season finale thing he gets rid of two episodes in and he's like oh okay I guess he's good now all right cool but uh no Thrawn's definitely very interesting uh, Thrawn obviously written by uh, Timothy Zahn very interesting character very smart uh especially in the Empire when he, Empire don't really like aliens and he's a grand admiral his story is a very interesting very intelligent character but uh, no. I mean, everyone said about this episode. This season is obviously Twin Sons, and I guess I'm in the minority to where when I saw it the first time, I actually really enjoyed it because like, I think I understood it a little bit quicker than a lot of people caught on. Not saying I'm smart, but I understood because it's very um, Akira Kurosawa like samurai kind of film. These two like old warriors coming head to head one final time, and oh, it's not a physical fight anymore. It's more like a mental game now. Yeah, where we see yeah. Kenobi, you know, go to that general Kenobi stance, realizes I'm not that person no more, goes to Ben, he goes, maybe this will work. Goes to Qui-Gon stance, we see the recognition from Maul, he goes, I've seen this before, I've killed the person who did this before. Start the fight, three strikes, cuts through like he did, like he was going to go hit Obi-Wan, or Qui-Gon, I'm sorry. Maul dies, that very good scene at the end where he just kind of cradling him. Because outside of Anakin... He's kind of the only person like Kenobi has left from his past. Yeah, that's yeah. it's like outside of the brother you lost, the master who's now in exile, you don't know where he's at. The last person you have is the guy who killed your master, killed your lover, and had this whole big impact on you. I thought it was very good. I know Twin Sons is a great episode. I really will enjoy that. I'm sad, you know, that Maul's gone now. I think that's a really good end for him. Um, yeah, no. Season three, I have issues with it. Like some, I think a lot of the episodes are a lot more. I don't want to say bad. I think some of the writing in places gets not as strong in places. Yeah. Compared to like you know the episodes we do have, because the episodes we do have that the writing is good, you can tell. Oh, that's probably what they spend most of the time doing. But no, overall, I like season three a lot. It's not as good as season two, but three is really close second. Yes, season three is is very very good. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. Do we get hot callus in this season, or is that next season? Isn't he always um, objectively okay looking? Because I don't want to objectify anyone. Yes, I I, I agree. He's always uh, um, objectively okay looking. I'm not sure. I do not know, but I know that it might be the start of it. The hashtag trended started to trend around that because he turned sides. I think that was the big um like turn in a big little nice little twist in this little show. But to continue on, mm. 
we will talk about Star Wars Rebels Season 4, the final season. Um, they amped it up. They made it like a grand finale. I was caught up by the time this was, so I was watching them live. We got it, trailers. Everyone was speculating, is Krennic going to be in this? Are they going to lead up to Rogue One? Where the hell is this show going to go, and how will we see a conclusion? Brian, what did you think of Rebels Season 4? Uh, Rebel season four is amazing and it's emotional um, and it's it's cryptic in a lot of ways when you get to, you know, kind of the, the world between worlds and you get Ezra um, talking to his wolves and things. But there there's there's one there's one standout part of Rebel season four, and that's a Jedi Knight. And it's oh. such a gut punch and it's so emotional and it, it it just like tears at your heart when you watch it. Um, it yeah, season four, it, it's beautiful and brilliant, and I love it. Yeah, season season four is is an emotional roller coaster, and that point that you brought up with Jedi Knight, very very sad. Oh, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. When we do talk, continue to talk about this, Cassia, what did you think of Rebels season four? Initial thoughts and everything like that. I was surprised that it was going to be the last season because it seemed like uh, more people were being won over. And uh, I guess I, w I was surprised uh, kind of with a lot of other people, but I guess like Filoni and the creators were like, you know what? Like Clone Wars, we had to end it prematurely, but uh, with with Rebels, we wanted to tell a complete story with the beginning, middle, and end, and this is the end. So I'm like, I respect that because I think uh, too many TV shows sometimes just go on and on and on and like have like 11 seasons where like maybe five seasons would have been better, you know? Um, but my favorite episodes of season four... Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a triptych, you know, uh, Jedi Knight, just a gut punch and like just a total fulfillment. Uh, I think of the uh, Kanan, you know, Caleb character. And uh, I know that a lot of people like uh, love that character and uh it was a gut punch, you know, but it, I just, I love it because I love love, you know, but uh, just like how Kanan regains his sight looking at Hera for the last time and he's just resolved. He knows why he's going to sacrifice himself. He knows that his unborn son, you know, is going to be safe. He knows Hera is going to be safe. And like just that moment where he realizes who he's meant to be and, uh, and he fulfills his purpose, you know, like, Oh, and then I think a world between worlds is just so fascinating. Like from a lore perspective, a Campbellian perspective, a mythological perspective. It reminds me of, uh, some Elseworlds stuff, you know, like in DC Comics, and it reminds me of uh, C.S. Lewis. Um, it's just fascinating. I think, like, uh, some fans maybe are like, well, I didn't like that this happened. They can just go to the world between, the world between worlds, reboot it, and, like, you know, this, this, and this can happen the way I want it to. I'm like, 
I think you're kind of misinterpreting it. Like for me, like kind of like the ones, the, the Mortis characters are like, and the world between worlds, like I think they're literal, but also like symbolic and like it, it's just like kind of the characters of Star Wars are interpreting like what is beyond like definition and it, and is ineffable. And, like, they're just kind of translating it into concepts they can understand. But, like, maybe that's just me thinking way too much. But I like the world between, world between worlds and Ahsoka, you know, lives. And, like, I like Ahsoka, you know, so so that's cool. And uh, then, like, we end with the family reunion and farewell. And it ends ambiguously, but poetically and beautifully. And if there's anything we have learned about the creator who wears a certain hat, a cowboy hat, you know, it is that he likes playing with the toys that uh, he created. So I think we're going to see them, you know, in live action again. And before I close this thought, I just wanted to say from season three that... Uh, the hottest it takes on Thrawn is Thrawn, he's not stupid. I think that should be on a t-shirt. Yes, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. We will we will hopefully one day put that on a t-shirt. And we love hot takes here at Galaxy of Film. I did thoroughly enjoy season four. Um, I was caught up, as I said, as I mentioned before. So I was watching this when it premiered. When Caleb died, I thought that was great. Um, not great, but like a gut punch. Great storytelling, though. Um, I think it was just phenomenal that he got his sight back one last time. Whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, to see the person you love one last time before you do die, like actually see them and just be that full bliss. Um, who who wouldn't want that? You know, to see someone who they truly love before they know like they won't be able to be with them physically and emotionally anymore, and only spiritually. I think that's almost everyone's dream before you know going on and moving on into the to the next life um seeing more of thrawn he's absolutely kicking ass in this he's making the new tie fighter we get a bit of project uh star what was it start what was the death star plans called star something starlight stardust. stardust stardust yes stardust we get that name drop so you're like wow well that's really fucking cool um we keep going on and then we get world between worlds and that was just something truly special i i, I love it i love when star wars is weird the Mortis arc is one of the greatest arcs in Star Wars of all time. This is one, it's again, one of the greatest Star Wars arcs of all time. We get a great uh, appearance of Ahsoka again. We find out she survived. We find out what the hell happened there. That's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of mythos behind it. There's a lot of canon behind it. It makes you wonder, what are they going to do? Is this going to play into anything? Once again, we see the Mortis characters, father, son, and daughter, before they go into this thing, which is, again really really cool it really makes you ask questions it's really think pieces and all the fan fiction out there i am just here for and fan theories curtis though oh and obviously farewell we get that very wonderful reunion where the sun at where is his home planet again i forget it mortis no his home planet the sun no ezra's ezra's oh lethal oh lethal yeah lethal sorry we get lethal with a blue and sunny sky for the very first time out of four year out of the four seasons, I thought that was wonderful little cinematography detail. 
And that's when we saw animation increase as well. Curtis, though, what are your thoughts on season four, the season finale? So season four is good. I personally, the first half up until I want to say Jedi Knight, to me is pretty mediocre. Okay. Um, I think a lot of, I don't know. Well, that stuff to me just wasn't really that interesting, all that. I mean, the stuff with Mandalore stuff was, you know, very cool because the whole Mandalorian stuff was interesting. But past that, up until Jedi Knight was pretty mad at me. Um, but once I hit Jedi Knight, just banger after banger episode. Um, yeah, I mean, War Between Worlds is a fantastic episode. I mean, you start off with, I mean, hearing out of Guinness recite stuff about the Forest, like, oh, fuck, this episode's great. We have all this, like, you know, stuff from the movies coming into it. Like, it's this this weird ethereal word where, like, it mixes everything together. You don't know what's going on. Um, something that I was surprised hasn't been talked about. We have the Emperor this season, voiced by Ian McDermott. I thought it was cool. Yes. Uh, yeah. First time hearing mm -hmm. him since... Actually him since, what, Fridge of the Sith, maybe? Actually him voicing the character. So that was very interesting. Uh, yeah. So War Between Worlds, probably my favorite episode of the season, followed closely by the finale episode. It kind of leads to this ambiguity ending of maybe Ezra and Thrawn aren't dead, and maybe that's the whole theory of, like, you know, the Ahsoka live-action show coming out. Maybe that's what she's trying to do, because, we you know, she's looking for Thrawn from Book of... Um, so bullshit. From Mandalorian. That's what she's doing. So maybe we'll see Thrawn and Ezra in live-action. Um... Well, I think about I liked about the last episode was it finally confirmed this long running fan theory fans had for years that Rex was part of the Yavin um four battle. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Endor. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. so I meant to say because there's that long theory of there's this old looking dude in Return of the Jedi with his big old white beard, and for years ever since Clone Wars came out, they're like, oh, maybe that's Rex or whatever. Finally, we get to the end of the episode, they're like, oh, Ahsoka says, oh yeah, Rex was on the battle of Endor. And they finally confirmed that. I'm like, that's really cool. You're finally confirming like, you know, a lot of fan theories for years that's been coming out. Um, seeing Callus go with Zeb to the, um, that species homeworld, seeing it repopulate was, I think, was a great ending for Callus. Him yep. going to go help rebuild, I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah, season four as a whole, I think, is good. But with those like two episodes in there, like the mid season forward is like phenomenal. So I like season four midway past that. Yeah, season four delivered, um, and it makes us wonder where the hell does um, season four go? You know, as because we didn't have Disney Plus then, so we're like, are we gonna have a part two to Rebels? What's it gonna be called? La -da, da Max unfortunately left again, so it doesn't look like we will hear. I'm here, buddy. Oh, he's I'm back. here, buddy. He's I'm here, pal. Max, what are your thoughts of season four to wrap to bring this one home? Um, season four is odd because. It, it's a shorter season, and every episode's a hard hitter. So, like, it's almost the opposite compared to the first season of Rebels. Um, and for the better, dude. Uh, this season has some pretty insane stuff going on. Finishing up the whole um, Thrawn arc. Now we're on Yavin because we left the base where the Bendu's at. I forget the name of that base, excuse me. Um, goodness, we're dealing with the TIE... What? What's that TIE fighter called that Thrawn is? The Defender? Yeah, yeah. The TIE Defender? I think it's... No, inter Interceptor? No. TIE Interceptor. It is Interceptor. It is Interceptor. Defender is a different one from, I think, Rogue One. I'm yeah. an absolute... No, it's Defender. Because yeah. Interceptors are already a thing. Okay, then I got that backwards. Okay. Yeah, no... Yeah. 
anyways, it's still cool seeing like the production of ships made. Um, that's something we kind of just gently touched upon in like Fallen Order. We're seeing like the ship scrapyards. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. We're seeing like the prototypes and stuff, whatnot in season four. Um, Kanan's death hits hard of him getting his vision back, of course. Uh, goodness. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier, Curtis, is we, we do get E. McDermott back as the Emperor in this. Um, and we, we got Yoda back in season two of Rebels as well. That kind of worked out perfectly to mask the return of those characters for the sequels. Because I remember when Frank Oz was like, someone took like a paparazzi or whoever, took a picture of like Frank Oz walking into ILM in like 2016, 2017. And that was, people were thinking, obviously Last Jedi. This is before Last Jedi even had a title, I think. Um, And so this was almost the perfect cover-up for that. In the same way, Ian, for season four, as almost a cover-up for... The Rise of Skywalker, like we yep. by the trailer, we knew you know Palpatine's in this, but beforehand we had no clue whatsoever on any plot details. Yeah. I think there was like a rumor that he was doing voiceovers for stuff, but we didn't know what it was for. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I thought you know, perfect timing to have Rebels going on to hide those two massive role or cameos. If you, I guess, because you consider Yoda a cameo, um, really cool to have that work out as a production and just a company overall. Um, you know, something I also really like seeing Rebels deal with is the dealing of Kane's death afterwards, too. Um, not very often in Clone Wars, despite having the first two seasons feature so many, like, specific Jedi-focused episodes, we're not getting too many moments where we're, like, mourning over these some of these Jedis that passed. And, like, obviously, of Clone Wars, like, okay, we can't kill Kit Fisto, Kiati Mundi. We, there's certain ones that are off-limits, you know? But I feel like we get more of that emotional like weight with the deaths for the clones compared to the Jedi more than anything. So it was almost a nice change of pace for uh for the animated side of Star Wars to have Kanan have a lasting effect with Hera and Ezra specifically. Um the World Between Worlds stuff was pretty cool. Um a bit you know, kinda odd, but it works out for whatever reason. Um I really liked hearing all the audio from everybody hearing Alec. I think even hear like Jin Urso at one point in that, yep. which was pretty cool. Um it, it, it's a solid episode, man. It really is. Probably my favorite detail, though. It's either the last episode or the second to last episode. Specifically when Ezra has those, like, force wolves attacking the stormtroopers. There is one scene, actually, where D. Bat- Bradley Baker voices the stormtroopers instead of Steve Bloom. And you notice it in that scene, which is pretty cool. Um, season 4 is, is damn good. For me, it just... Tears between, if I like, three or four the best. Because I think four is tighter storytelling. But as a fan, I'm getting... I'm liking more what I see in season three. I'm liking the Bendu stuff. I'm liking the Dart Saber, the Obi-Wan content. But I think four is much, much tighter and is a better season than three. Okay. Okay. And before we wrap up this wonderful discussion of Star Wars Rebels, we haven't talked about any of the characters and who our favorite characters are. So, Brian, who is your favorite character from the entire Star Wars Rebels? What arc stuck with you the most? Who who's your guy or girl? Oh, um, I I think if I had to pick just one favorite character from Rebels, it's probably Hera. Um, is probably my favorite character. She's um, kind of the de facto mother of the Ghost crew. Um, it, you really get a sense of like 
kind of the burden she places on herself to take care of this, you know, ragtag group of people. And then obviously her uh, relationship with Kanan is amazing. Um, I, I remember when I, when I first started watching it, I didn't really care for Ezra. I didn't really care for Zeb. Um, but I always, I, and I, but I always, I always really liked Tara. I always really liked Kanan. Um, I always really liked Sabine. I thought that, that she was fun. And then, you know, of course, you know, Chopper uh, being that crazy little maniac droid is a good time. But yeah, if I had to pick one favorite character, it's Hera. And I'm glad that we've gotten to see a little bit more of her story continue on um, and through some of the novels and um, the video games and stuff. So I'm hoping that, you know, potentially we get to get to learn a little bit more about her at some point. But uh, but yeah, as far as as far as characters goes, it's that. Um, and then uh, favorite story arc, we, you know, we've just been uh, talking about all of these things. Um, it's got to be that Jedi Knight one. Um, like I mentioned, I didn't really know any of the spoilers, even though I watched it late. So I didn't know that Kanan uh, died in that episode. And the episode ends like perfectly like right on that explosion. And then I only had to wait like 30 seconds for the next episode to start. But I'm like, no way, no way that just happened. They, they didn't do that um as and it, it was just heartbreaking i i think overall um the show what what i like about it is all of the things felt more consequential than they did for me in clone wars because you already knew more or less the stories of all of those characters so you know what was happening was just kind of filling in uh some missing holes but these characters you know could be or do or end up anywhere um, so it just had a, a little bit more weight to me in their stories. So uh, that was one. That's one of the things that I really love about Rebels. I 100 percent agree with that, Brian. They're talking about the, the um, you know, how we're not Thanks. sure of these fate, the, the, the ghost crew compared to Clone Wars. Hmm. That was a huge difference. Me viewing both shows, too. And Max, how about you? What is um, just, you know, continuing on with thoughts? What What is your favorite character of uh, Rebels? Uh, my favorite character, like for all of Rebels, um, this isn't excluding any returning Clone Wars or film characters even, um, definitely Sabine. One of my favorite like holiday movies growing up was always like Rudolph Fredno's Reindeer um, because it, whole, it keeps that theme of like not belonging but still being okay of not belonging. And then like the whole, you know, Island of Misfit Toys. I don't know if you guys ever watched the weird CGI sequel to Rudolph, where it kind of dives in more to that. Um, that was something that always kind of, like, hit home as a kid, like, watching those every year. And Sabine's kind of the oddball out of this whole group. I know they try to, like, write Ezra as that because he's the orphan character. He's he, We found him abandoned. But really, like, Sabine, like, she's almost, like, she's not banished, but she's, like, not welcomed on Mandalore very much by her family. Um, you know, she's just trying to fit in with this, this, this group of misfits and she's the most like outspoken and artistic one of all of them. She's the most herself. I mean, she's changing her hair color and armor every season. They stole and, and painted a freaking tie fighter. No one else does that in star Wars, you know? Um, and then her whole episode in season three with Kanan teaching her to wield the dark saber, I absolutely loved that episode um, and that whole, just that arc in general for Sabine trying to be the leader of Mandalore, but recognizing, hey, this is something everyone of my, my people want. It'd be great if I could have this, but it's definitely not for me. Instead of, she's coming to terms with this in this episode too. It's almost a full circle for Sabine in this one episode 
Um, and I absolutely love it. By far, that is my favorite episode of the whole series is that training episode. So Okay. I do I do enjoy that training episode very much. Always cool seeing the Darksaber again as well. Curtis, what is your favorite character of season of, of the entire Rebel series? Oh, that's it's gotta be Kanan. I think Kanan definitely I think had them with the strongest arc out of all the characters. Coming him, you know, getting this apprentice, him trying to, you know, teach him and him trying to be like kind of be like a surrogate father, but learning he can't be that, going to season two, him doubting himself, and him doubting himself is what's leading Ezra to like make these more rasher decisions because he's not having this mentor talk him down from it's because Kanan is still trying to reel back from, you know, Order 66. Um, him try- accepting Rex as a person, finally. Like him kind of getting over Rex being a clone, I thought was very good. And then the whole season three and four, him learning to be a better uh, master to Ezra, be like the more like a stable rock in that relationship. To him, finally accepting what his job duty is. He needs to protect Ezra and the crew. That valiant sacrifice he does. I think Kanan's story wraps up very neatly. I think has the best character development of all the whole crew. Um, shockingly enough, I would say like Rex also has like a very good story arc in this. I know we don't talk about it a whole lot. Because there's an episode of season three, The Last Battle, where we have Rex kind of going through like PTSD of the clone stuff and him like finally like ending his clone war on his end and him finally focusing his entire attention on the fighting for the rebels now. I thought it was also very good. But yeah, just Kanan all together is probably my favorite character in all of Rebels. Okay. And Cassia, yourself, what is your favorite character of Star Wars Rebels? The one thing uh, Brian probably knows is that I can never choose just one. Uh, So I kind of have Kanan and Hera tied. Um, Okay. And I think Kanan just, uh, he goes from like a young Padawan running away to, I would say like a Jedi Knight, Jedi Master who is facing his fear and like it's just such a good arc but yeah you just see everything and also Hera like like Brian said like is kind of the mother of of the ghost crew and i think she's like probably the character that i would like to spend the most time with you know and yeah. uh yeah Okay, that's I I do like the couples in Star Wars um as well. My favorite character has to be Thrawn. Gassed him up this entire thing. He's what made me want to watch this series. Um, I love how this story started with Ezra, and not a single one of us said we liked Ezra's character. That kind of cracks me up. But what can you do? Um, I do love Thrawn. I think he's an excellent character. I like his relationship. I love all the Empire stuff. I like the politics. He plays politics when it comes to Tarkin and when it comes to Governor Price, and even when it comes to Vader at sometimes. And the big guy, the Emperor. Um, I really like all of that. I think his best episode was when he captured Champs and Dula, and then he captured uh, Hera as well. Um, I think that was absolutely excellent. Um, I just, I, I Rebels grew on me as a series. It really did. I, I watched this. I didn't watch it up until season three. I was like, this is a kid show. Looks stupid. You know, so uh, Star, Wars is, Star Wars is obviously made for kids. Ahsoka comes in. All these great cameos come in. We see some great storytelling. Um, 
but Thrawn is for sure my biggest standout. I, I really want to know what happened to him. I really want to know more about him. It's maybe the only Star Wars books I continuously read. Um, so that's always a plus, you know, when Danilo actually reads a book. But I think that about wraps up Star Wars Rebels. But before that... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to know everyone's rating first. I mean, you and I aren't doing I'm ratings, Danilo. to that, bud. Let me finish Oh, okay, my... okay, okay, damn, little man. All right. Everyone, what is your Star Wars rating? We will start with Curtis. Where do you rank this in the Star Wars rankings of everything that has come out? Oh, I'd say with Asia. the fantastic stuff we get in like season three and f- uh, four with Rebels, I think this moves up to like a solid Bespin for me. Okay. Um, you know, it starts out kind of rough, but essentially once you get like past, you know, introducing the characters... The story starts becoming a lot more tighter. Character stories start taking over, the, you know, the show a lot more. Um, character moments start to come to the forefront. Some brilliant acting out of everybody. I think a solid Bespin is where this show deserves. Um, if it had better, like some mid episodes from like the earlier seasons, it might have been higher. But I think Bespin is a solid choice for this show. I think it is very good. Okay, and Brian, where do you rank this show? What's the rating of it? Yeah, so for me, uh, this show it is uh, going to be on a Bespin, on a Space Whale, on its way to Coruscant. Um, I really like Rebels, so like in that four and a half range. And we didn't even talk about Space Whales enough. The Space Whales are awesome. Yeah, they got, they got dunked on, and then it turns out to be maybe the most clinical point of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. So shout out to Space Whales. Cassia, where do you rank um, Star Wars Rebels? What is your rating for that as a whole? You- yeah, you might as well call me the Senate because I'm on Coruscant right now. So, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. awesome, awesome, awesome. Lots of love for Star Wars Rebels, a show that didn't get enough love when it first came out, but a show that I think the audience has now all came back to and collectively think it's a quite a very good show. You know what I'm Mac- really curious about, actually, is yeah, what up? what'd you say? I said, What's up, G? I'm very curious if fans will have a similar reaction to how they're viewing Rebels to Resistance in a couple of years. Because, like, yeah, I'm serious, like, will. no one's really, like, given Resistance any attention like that. It's hard because it only has two seasons. That's true, yeah. I kind of well. feel like the definitive sequels era show hasn't come out yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm here to, like... uh be positive and like i i know there are some uber passionate fans about resistance but i think like the definitive sequel era show that kind of like is the clone wars or rebels you know i think it's not out yet but i'm i i'm anticipating it you know okay do you think that will be animated or live action like with the mando stuff um knowing disney plus how they're going I'm I'm gonna guess uh, live action, um, mm. but I would I don't know I, I I would like to have an animated series because I just love animation and uh, Clone Wars had such a distinctive like kind of inspired by, by like puppets you know like Thunderbirds puppets kind of style yeah. that like really evolved and became like photorealistic towards the end uh and then rebels grew on me it's very inspired by uh ralph mccory mm. uh, but yeah i just love animation and like visions was a godsend i think and uh i would love to see something like 
uh, like Clone Wars or Rebels or Visions. Uh, not to say like Resistance is a bad animation style, but uh, I think like maybe something that connects with people and like brings beautiful visuals to probably one of the most visually well shot trilogies in in the saga. I would say. Hmm. I can see that. I can see it them also like following through with your comment too. How this isn't the definitive sequel show. Because I remember when I was like, Daniel, encouraged you guys were there too at Celebration Chicago. Um, remember the massive banner in the entryway, and it was each section had a mural per saga. So like each of the prequels, spinoffs, and even Clone Wars and Rebels had a chunk of this mural. Um, Resistance was the only thing that didn't have one. That and Mandalorian, which Mando was an alley at the time, but still. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. yeah. I think Cassie is right that there hasn't been something um, a definitive sequel series to come out yet, and I do hope it is animation. I like I that route. I think it grabs every fan, every fan of all ages, um, for sure. Um, I think the topics they deal with is more adult, but the animation is what grabs the kids. You know, obviously, kids can grow and adapt and learn and grow up with new characters as well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what they decide to choose. Maybe we'll just see, like I said, Force Ghosts, Jedi Council, and the Obi Wan series, and more of that but who knows however though i think that about wraps up the discussion for star wars rebels i do um, too we had, man we had a good time here today um thank you to all the guests who have come on brian curtis and cassia always welcome back on again but before we hop off we love to plug our guests so brian where can our guests find you um after this show after they finish listening to this yeah, so if you want to see more about Star Wars and my collection and all that stuff, you can find me on Instagram. It's at astro underscore droid underscore. And if you want to catch my podcast, I do a uh, cocktail and movie review podcast called Drink the Movies. That's available uh, anywhere where you're listening to this podcast. Just search for uh, Drink the Movies and find that. And then you can also find me co-hosting on the Old Republic podcast with Cassia. So I'll turn that over to her. Yeah, awesome. and you can uh, find uh, us, uh, I'm Cassia, at the Old Republic Podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, everywhere you can find Anchor Podcasts. And we have a Discord. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it is fun. I see a lot of updates in that Discord. It's always, it's always uh, jamming out to something, whether that yeah. be... Um, discussions or just maybe some memes, things like that, and it is it is fun to be in there. So go join that there. Two wonderful, two wonderful hosts of that. Oh, thank podcast. you, um, Curtis. Where are you? Where can they find you? You're tw are going to be twitching still or streaming? Oh uh, yeah, so um, I'll be streaming on Twitch here, um, <laughs> Twitch.tv/slash Curtis Shack. Um, said this last time I was on the show, but me and my friend are starting our own podcast soon where we talk about um, Western animation and um, anime in general, like older cartoons from like Cartoon Network, like the early 2000s, Disney Afternoon, Fox uh, shows. I'm um, still workshopping ideas and times, but I'm probably like around start of summer we're thinking about starting that. Uh, but yeah, you'll probably hear it first when we get everything all settled down. Awesome. We are always we are always looking forward to that. Um, sounds like a wonderful idea, and we will be a Galaxy of Film will be a strong supporter of that as well. 
Galaxy of Film has a lot of content coming out as well. We have the LFG about the Oscars. We have the YouTube channel, Galaxy of Film Productions. We have Max test footage. We have my short film. And we have all the New York City vlogs Mac, Max has worked endlessly on. They look phenomenal. If you're going to watch any of them, watch the last one and watch about the last, like, eight, ten minutes of it. It's it's just it, – it just makes you want to cry. Um <laughs> After, we also have TikTok. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, and what the hell else is the other one? TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Galaxy of Film. Yes, it took me a minute, but Galaxy of Film. We have a Discord as well. You can join that. And I believe that about wraps everything up. It does, my friend. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and Spotify. It truly does help out the show much more than you can imagine. And we'll stay tuned for you guys for next week. Bye, guys. Little Caesars, once again, we're asking you to sponsor us.